0: My name is Bill Crockett, and this is Touch of the Master's Hand. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Touch of the Master's Hand. My name is Bill Crockett. For those of you that have been following our podcast, you may have noticed that we have gone to a weekly podcast rather than a daily one. And part of the purpose for this is to allow you to in one listening, to be able to get the entire lesson. Uh, We had several people ask about that, and so we have decided to go to a weekly podcast, and we do appreciate everyone who listens, and thank you for your support and for your prayers as we seek to teach the Bible and help people to make it through this life by following the principles of God's work. Today, our lesson is entitled, My Life is Going from Bad to Worse. What do I do? Well, in Psalm 25, I believe that David gives us the answer. And David gives us the answer because he was going through the same thing. If you have a Bible and you want to get it, follow along with me as I read from Psalm 25, verses 16-16 through 21 in the New Living Translation. Verse 16, Psalm 25 says, Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. Now this is David, the psalmist, praying to God, and he's saying, I need you to have mercy on me and help me. I'm alone and I'm in deep distress. Listen to verse 17. My problems go from bad To worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. David evidently was in a very, very low place in his life. His problems, he said, were going from bad to worse. And maybe today you're listening to this and you feel just like David, that you are in a very low place in your life and you feel like your problems are just going from bad to worse. The harder you try it seems like the deeper you get into the issues that are causing grief in your life. Well, don't feel alone. I think that more people than you know have been there at some point, and I've been there more than once in my life. As a matter of fact, after graduating from high school, I headed off to college to play football. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't offered a scholarship, so I had to walk on to make the team. I had worked extremely hard all summer preparing for that tryout. That day finally came. One evening, 50 of us gathered in the football stadium to go through workouts for the coaches. Out of 50 guys that tried out, only 12 of us were chosen to be on the team. I was fortunate enough to have been one of those 12. However, after reaching what I thought was the pinnacle of my goals in life up to that time, I was still empty. It brought me no joy or fulfillment. One thing led to another, and I began to spiral downward. Alcohol, drugs, and seeking approval of the wrong kind of people put me in a place that quickly began to make things worse. I found myself back at home with no purpose or direction for my life, just existing day after day. But it was then that God began to change everything. In the spring of that year, I was going to college at a local university when a young lady I was dating invited me to go to church with her. The night I went, God spoke to me in a very powerful way, one that's really hard to describe. Let's just say that I knew God loved me and he was trying to get me to listen to him and follow him. That night, I had a hard time sleeping. I woke up in the early morning hours, troubled at my life and desperate for direction. With tears in my eyes, I rolled out of my bed and onto my knees, and I asked God to forgive me and to please show me what he wanted me to do. I wanted purpose to my life. The next day, I called a Christian friend and told him what I had done and asked for his help. I wanted to learn how to follow God. I started going to the church where I had been the night before and God and and God allowed me to get plugged into the young people in the college group there. They became dear friends and mentors that encouraged me to do the right thing. I left all the old habits of alcohol and drugs and I became obsessed with reading and wanting to learn the Bible. So much so that in the fall of that year I enrolled in a Christian college and began to prepare for what would be my passion, teaching the Bible. The rest of my life is history. I tell you this because I completely understand how David must have felt when he wrote the words of Psalm 25. His words, my problems go from bad to worse, describe my life perfectly. But God felt my pain. He forgave me, and he did show me the path he wanted me to take, which gave my life purpose. How about you? Do you feel that life is going from bad to worse? Not sure what to do with your life? I believe Psalm 25 will help give some answers. The writer David felt that lack of direction and asked God for help. And what followed was the same thing that God did for me. So let's take a look at what David wrote. Let's take a look at what David said would help him to get freedom from his problems, and to stop his problem from going from bad to worse. There are a few things we're going to talk about. They're all found in Psalm 25, beginning in verse number one. The first thing is a commitment of our life to God. Look at verse number one of Psalm 25, if you have your Bible. Oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you my God. David said, I give my life to you. One of the hardest things to do is to let God take control of our life. To do this, we must trust him. David said, I trust in you, my God. Taking that step of faith to trust God and let him direct our steps is the start to finding purpose and stopping the downward spiral of our life. David goes on to say in verse number two, I trust in you, my God, do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. Verse three, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. David tells us that no one who trusts God will ever be disgraced. We will not be disappointed, but if we continue down the road we're on, we will continue to experience disappointment. My friend right now, God is trying to get your attention and help you to understand that he loves you and he has a purpose for your life. But before you can experience that, you have to be willing to commit your life to God. Like David, you have to say, oh Lord, I give my life to you. You tell me what to do with my life and stop doing what we're doing. Then number two, after that commitment, David had a call for guidance. David asked for God's help. Look at verse number four. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. David said, show me the right path and point out the road for me to follow. One of the biggest challenges here is to take the road God shows us. If we have truly put our hope in him, like David said in verse number five, all day long, I put my hope in you. If we truly put our hope in God, then we will follow him because we trust him. He'll make it clear what the right thing to do is. And that's the key here. Each day to do the right thing. And by the way, doing what's right is not always easy, but it's always right. Just because God has promised joy and and fulfillment in life, it doesn't mean that there won't be difficulty. But we've got to, first of all, commit our life to the Lord. Then we've got to call out for God's guidance, and when God shows us the right path and points out the road to follow, we've got to follow him. But there's a third thing David says had to happen for him before he could get help from God and before these problems could stop going from bad to worse. He says it in verses 6 and 7, but he pointed it out in the verses we started with. In verse number 18, he said, feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. The third thing is confession of sin. In verses 6 and 7, David said this, Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Compassion and unfailing love. David's confession of sin was based upon the fact that he knew that God loved him, unfailing love and compassion. Verse 7, he said, do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. David was confessing his sin, and he said, Lord, don't look at me in light of my mistakes and my sin, but look at me in light of your unfailing love. Twice David mentioned God's unfailing love, verses six and seven. We may think that God will never forgive us, that what we have done, God would never forgive, but that's just not true. The reality is he's just waiting for us to want to be forgiven. Forgiveness is already there, we just have to ask. Nothing will ever keep God from loving us. That's why his love is unfailing. It never ever fails, no matter what we think. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39 at what Paul says. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Paul begins by saying, who will condemn us? You don't need to worry about what other people think. People, quite often, don't forgive the way that God does. But God is not like that. God forgives us because his love never fails. Verse 35 can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, Paul said, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing In all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. My friend today, if you don't remember another thing I say, please remember this. God loves you and he will always love you no matter what you do. And he will forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So David said, Lord, I commit my life to you. I'm calling out for you to show me the path I'm supposed to take. And I'm confessing my sin. I want my life to be what you want it to be. And then David said there was confirmation that God was going to help him. God confirmed that there would be help. In, back to Psalm 25, verse 8, the Bible says, The Lord is good, and he does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. David said, God will help. There's confirmation that God's going to help. And he pointed that out by telling us several things about God. Number one, that God is good. He tells us in verse 8, the Lord is good. Number two, that he does what is right. God will always lead us to do the right thing. Number three, he said he'd show us the proper path when we're on the wrong one. It's interesting, verse 8 says he shows the proper path to those who go astray, not those who are on the right path, it's when I've gotten off the right path that God will show me how to get back on the right path. Then it says he will help us do what's right, he'll teach us what to do, he will be patient with us as we're trying to do it. The Bible says, David said in verse 10, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. He leads us with his love and his faithfulness. He's not going to give up on us because we fail. And then he says, he just wants us to do what he tells us to do. He leads with unfailing love and faithfulness, all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. And then David continues in verse 11. By showing us the compassion of the Lord. God will help problems in our life. From He'll stop them from going from bad to worse. And he does it with his compassion. In verse number six of Psalm 25, David said, Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love. And then in verse number 11, he describes that compassion. What does God's compassion do for us? Verse 11. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Well, he starts by forgiving us. Then in verse 12, who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. He'll show me the direction I'm supposed to go in. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. David begins this section by once again acknowledging his many, many sins. The fact that God, quite frankly, would love me despite all my sin and mistakes, it still sometimes overwhelms me and makes me want to love him back and follow him because I don't deserve his forgiveness or his love. But then David turns to the underlying attitude of respect and reverence that we should all have for God, called the fear of the Lord. David says, who are those who fear the Lord? Those who respect Him and honor Him. Then God does these things for them. And here's what he says that that God will do. One, He'll show us the path we're supposed to choose. You realize our life is nothing more than a collage of all the results of the choices we've made in life. Every choice we make has a result. And that result, as you put all of those choices together, that's what paints the picture of our life and tells the story of our life. God will show us the choices we're supposed to make, so we make the right ones. Number two, David said he will cause our life to prosper. That word means he'll cause our life to exist in moral good, in happiness. It will be a beneficial life, a good life. That's what that word prosperity means. God will cause that to happen. Number three, he said God will teach us like a friend, not like a tyrant, like a friend. Who loves us and is patient and cares for us. And number three, or number four, he'll protect us from the evil traps in life because we fear and follow him. And there are a lot of them out there. And that brings us to the last thing, and that's David's conclusion. As we circle completely back to the verses we started with, verses 16 through 22, where David said, Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. You see, David said, I, I will commit my life to you. I'm calling for your guidance. I'm confessing my sin. I'm convinced that you will help me. And I know that you have compassion for me. And Lord, that's why I'm asking for your help. My problems are going from bad to worse. I need your help. He ends this in verse 21 by saying, may integrity and honesty protect me because I put my hope in you. My friend, if you feel as if your life is going from bad to worse, why not turn your life over to God, let him rescue you and give you direction that will bring joy and purpose to your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for forgiveness and direction. I pray that you will help those today that are listening, give them peace and joy, turn their life so that those problems that are going from bad to worse will stop and they'll know joy, fulfillment, and real peace in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today on Touch of the Master's Hand. I hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next week. So long, everybody.